Rebecca Black, welcome to RM Breakfast. Thanks so much for having me. You've been making music for more than 10 years, but this is your first full-length album. How do you feel now that it's sort of finally out in the world? It feels amazing. I mean, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit insane because the album came out as I was touring and it just felt like I was living in like a dream state because it was so chaotic. But now that I'm home and like kind of settling back in, it just, it feels so good to have this piece of me out because like you said, I've been I've been making music for 10 years, but at the same time, it's only been only for the last few years that I've made it on my terms. We're going to dive into the latest album in a moment, but just take you back to 2011. The internet was, well, a different place back then. Instagram, I think, was barely a year old. Game of Thrones had just come out and you released the song Friday. Some of our listeners might not know it, so tell me about the song. How did you make it? Friday was something that came out when I was I was only 13 years old and I mean, it was never supposed to be my like debut onto the scene or anything like that. Like I was literally a musical theater kid who got this weird opportunity to make the song and I didn't even write it. I didn't produce it. Like I basically got looped into one of these things where they kind of do everything for you. You show up, sing it, they make you a music video. And uh, it was kind of something that was supposed to be just like on my resume as somebody who was going to be applying to college, hopefully in the next five years or six years or something like that. And then a storm followed its release. How would you describe that storm? Yeah, that's one way to put it. But the song has become famous for all the wrong reasons. Rolling Stone called Friday an unintentional parody of modern pop. And the general public has been even meaner. Hundreds and thousands of them were so moved, they flocked to Twitter to complain to 13-year-old Rebecca directly. I used to look at them all the time. Mm-hmm. And I cried, you know, but I'm 13. Yeah. So the single biggest act of bullying in world history. Everything changed. I went from being a 13-year-old in middle school, like just doing my thing, living my little life. Yeah, you're you a child. Uh, yeah, being a, being a kid. Now all of a sudden there's press and dealing with this online situation where millions of people know who I am. Millions of people have a ton of negative feedback for me. But I mean, the internet still has a very long way to go in terms of like dealing with children ethically and healthily. But back then, like, I mean, the comments that I was getting were were ruthless. And being a kid of the internet who grew up on Twitter and YouTube and things like that, like I spent all my time reading it. So what sort of an impact did that have on you? I mean, you know, reading negative feedback, even as an adult with more tools is hard. How do you become viral in a negative way? at that age and cope? There's no way to cope with it. I mean, there's, it's not a natural human experience, you know? So especially as a kid, like there's no course that you can take or that your parents can take or anything that can kind of guide you through it. I mean, my parents, especially like they don't come from being in the industry. They were just trying to do the best that they could to support me and and try to listen to me and guide my way through it. But uh, we were all really very lost. So the only way that at the time I knew how to cope with it was just 
as a child, I think my brain went to like, well, how can I stop people from hating me? Like, how can I stop people from, you know, thinking that I'm dumb or thinking that I'm stupid? Because that's how I felt. I mean, I was just like literally a little body full of shame after all of that happened. Um, And it wasn't until I was much older. um, I mean, got like 18 (laughs) that Mm. I uh, really started to do some like real inner work on myself, started doing like different therapy measures and things like that to really understand how to work through it. Because obviously it, it created so many lasting parts yeah. of myself to handle. So a couple of years ago, you released a remix of the song. It seems to have come full circle for you. How does that sit with you now? I mean, that was, you know, an idea that I had that I, I really wanted to do as I got older. And, and now that also I've spent the last few years really watching the internet kind of grapple with my experience and grapple with the way that the internet has changed and you know, the way that we view these viral things that maybe were once like really bagged on. I don't know. I just watched people kind of come to terms with the fact of, oh, this wasn't just something that was funny and weird that we all kind of laughed at. Like what happened to this person and to this kid is not fair. It's not right. And we need to stop ourselves from doing this to other kids. When it came to the remix, I had come a long ways in my own journey with, you know, my own healing and I wanted to do something fun. And at that point, like I was starting to build my own community and my own audience. And and I wanted to, I guess, kind of add my own thoughts in my own way to the way that we were all looking at how culture has changed, especially with the song and, and with this type of kind of nostalgic moment. And also like make the song on my own terms, you know? Mm. And you've been embraced by your community, the queer community. What's it like to have such a loving fan base? I feel I feel so grateful, honestly, and I feel really lucky to be a queer artist right now because the last few decades, so much change and so much progress has allowed for me to have an experience like I have now where I was, when I came out a couple of years ago, I was so welcomed and Every time I play a show, I mean, I was doing a bit of touring over the past couple of years. Every every show is filled with such positive energy, not just like between me and the audience, but within the audience itself. And I've heard so many people tell me, oh, my God, just the the feeling of the crowd and the way that they interacted with each other was so positive. And that, as an artist, obviously means everything to me because... All I'm doing is like sitting here making my music, Mm. but the fact that it can encourage at least some positivity or some encouragement, I guess, I feel very grateful. And this album isn't your first post-Friday release. You put out an EP in 2021 and have released other singles. What did you want to achieve with this collection though? I wanted to create something that really, I guess, kind of put my own stamp on this is who I am as an artist, regardless of what I've been through and regardless of, you know, what you might think of my early stuff. This is who I am independently and as a result. (laughs) And as a pop artist, I want to make something that can stand on its own and be taken seriously and and um, and hopefully, you know, find its own unique voice. 
Who inspired the sound? Because it's unashamedly pop, but has really interesting elements to it too. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a fan of so many different kinds of music. So while making this record, I wanted it to be a, a you know very pop album, but at the same time, like I love Nine Inch Nails, I love Burial, I love Mitski. Gosh, I grew up listening to Grimes. I grew up listening to Imogen Heap and uh, Fru Fru. I just think like as a pop artist, you have the opportunity because pop as a genre really has nothing to do with the sound of it. For me, at least taking that and running with it and seeing how far we can kind of stretch the idea of like, what is a pop song? is something that I want to continue to do. And, and I really tried to do with this record. And yeah, I just think that's what makes a fun challenge for me and for, you know, everyone who was a part of creating it. We're about to play your song, Look At You. What's it about? I wrote Look At You about one of my best friends who was really going through and had been going through kind of a moment in her life of a lot of self-doubt, a lot of insecurity. And it was so painful to not only, you know, try to guide this person through this time and support, but even just see somebody who you admire so much, not see themselves as what they deserve to be seen as. And I think as somebody who's experienced that, I think on the opposite end of feeling obviously intense insecurities and shame and doubt, being on the other end of that and kind of like dealing with my own feelings as a friend um, was something I wanted to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Super sweet. I hate that she made you want to cry Took one shot and shut you down She's got nothing on you I hope you'll see that now And I'd be lying If I said I wasn't jealous of you It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.